Have fun. All right. If you are left in the room and you are not in Redeemer Kids, I'm sorry. They're going to have a great time, but I think we will too. If you have a Bible, meet me in John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Last week we examined the claim that Jesus made that he is the light of life. And I want you to just think about that claim. That Jesus is the light of life. And what he said was anyone who follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have that light of life. This matters to us because if you look around and you're honest, and if I look around and I'm honest, there's a whole lot of darkness. And I would love to report that that is all outside the walls of who Jesus calls his church. I'm not just talking about Redeemer City Church, I'm talking about the capital C church around the country and around the world. But the truth is, we're not exempt from some of that darkness. And so that begs the question, are we really following Jesus then? I'll leave that for you to answer. <laughs> this week though, we're going to listen to Jesus as he deepens that reality of what our existence, the reality of our life, if we are without him. So last week he said, follow me and you won't walk in darkness. Well, what happens if I don't follow you? What happens in my life if I don't follow you and I just embrace that darkness, if I step into that darkness? And so we have him last week saying, I'm the light of the world. What about life without him? So here we are in John chapter 8, verse 21, and, and here's what Jesus says, he says to them again, I am going away. I'm going away and you will seek me and you will die in your sin because where I'm going, you cannot come. Took a hard right here. <laughs> I'm the light of life. You'll never walk in darkness. But, and this is where our faith Rubber meets the road. Reality comes home to play because it's one thing for us to sit here and receive the beauty that is the light of life. But we must think through what happens when we don't. When you look around the world, even when you look around the church, you see glimpses of beauty, glimpses of light breaking through the darkness. But the reality still remains that we live in a world that is broken. We live in a world that is broken. There are things in your life right now that are broken. There are people in your life that have let you down. There are fill in the blank. Substance abuse. Addiction. We could just keep going. We just start listing the documentaries that, that we, <laughs> about people who claim to be Christians, right? We just start making our list, right? So what's going on there? What's going on in the world around us from the beginning in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve made a choice? 
to do their own thing and be their own God. And we still find ourselves doing that today. And so Jesus is saying the fruit of not walking with him is to walk in darkness and darkness leads to death. And I don't think I need to convince you that sin kills. And we could just look around. You could follow me around and see the relationships that die when we choose our sin, even in the moment, right? We often think of eternal damnation at the expense of maybe Jesus looking at us and going, hey, when you choose yourself, when you don't choose to bind all things together in love, when you choose yourself, a little piece of that relationship with your wife dies. A little piece of relationship with your child dies. A little piece of the relationship with your neighbor goes away. Death. Because obviously these people he's talking about don't die on the spot. He's invited them and you can't divorce this text from last week's text, right? This is connected to Follow me and you'll never walk in darkness, but you'll experience the light of life. So to not follow him would be the opposite. I would be walking in darkness, experiencing the death that this life has to offer. And so it's in that where he says, where I'm going, you cannot come. And of course, they can't wrap their mind around that. So look at verse 22. So the Jews said, will he kill himself? Since he says where I'm going, you cannot come. So he said to them, you are from below, I am from above. The Old Testament says the same thing. My ways are higher than your ways, past finding out. You're from below, I'm from above. You are of this world, I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins. But. But. Unless you believe. And here's the tie back to last week. You will die in your sins unless, unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sin. So they said to him, who are you? Jesus said to them, just what I've been telling you from the beginning. I have much to say about you and much to judge, but he who sent me is true. And I declare to the world what I have heard from him. They did not understand what he had been speaking to them about the father. They didn't understand that he had been speaking in the middle of the Father. So Jesus said to them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know that I am he. And that I do nothing on my own authority, but speak just as the Father taught me. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. And here's an interesting thing in verse 30. As he was saying these things, many... Believed in him. It's a powerful story. It's a confusing story. (laughs) But where we are is boiled down to light and life with Jesus. Darkness and death without Jesus. And in a very real sense, we live in a world that is slowly flattening your existence. Slowly taking away the wonder. Slowly taking away the beauty down to where now, for the small fee of almost $4,000, you strap a pair of goggles to your head and disappear. But I digress. The people cannot understand what Jesus is saying. They're assuming that he's planning a suicide. 
Because they're, what, what do you mean I'm going where you can't come? He's from above, they're from below. We get that. Maybe you would even say today, I walked in here and I kind of know that God's real. There's too many things out there for me to say that there's not some higher power out there. But man, Jesus, like, know him personally, follow him and never walk in darkness. What does that look like? Because the offer they just heard in John 8, 12 was that he is the light of the world and whoever follows him will not walk in darkness, but will have this light of life. And I want to ask you, are you experiencing the light of life? Am I experiencing the light of life? Better yet, who's your closest confidant? If we were to ask them about you, would they say that you're experiencing the light of life? Because you and I will lie to ourselves. What do the people closest to you experience spilling out of you? Right? Because what the Bible says is the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. Right? So... If somebody bumps into you, what spills on them? Because it's, it's not what you have, the fruit you've produced, right? What's it say? It says the fruit of the Spirit, right? So if I'm filled with the Spirit, if I'm walking by the Spirit and not according to the flesh like Scripture calls me to, what comes out of my life? Is it the Spirit? Or is it me? Why, why is this crucial though? Why is this so critical? Why, why drill in and nitpick on this idea? The light driving away the darkness is key, but why? I think it's found back in verse 24. He said, I told you that you would die in your sin for unless you believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. You'll die in your sins unless you believe. It sounds so theoretical. <laughs> it sounds so out there in the spiritual realm. But I think it's immensely practical to you and I right now. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have said it. Because for Jesus, the spiritual realm and the physical realm were interacting all the time. For Jesus, this wasn't a God might be real. It was a, I am the Father and He is me and anyone who comes to me will not walk in darkness. That was very real. What is the darkness? Was it dark outside? No, He was talking about the spiritual warfare going on all around you. So why is this so critical? And not just theoretical. I want to say it to you this way, and I want you to just track with me, because you live in a world that's going to tell you the opposite. But listen to this statement, and I want you to just, I want you to process it here. Here we go. Are you ready? Life, listen, are you listening? I'm like parenting you right now? Can't help it. I'm sorry. Look at daddy. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Joking. I'll snap out of it here in a minute. Just talk to myself. I need to hear this. Life is not what you make it. It's a controversial statement today. 99% of social media influencers, self-help books, podcasts, all the things say the opposite. So why do I stand here, little old me, insignificant me, and say to you, life is not what you make it. 
In the philosophical theological world, we say it this way, that your essence precedes your existence. We talk about this a lot, Jerome and I do in our, in our pastor's meetings. Because it so matters to your life. Why? Because you have life because God has given it to you. At the very beginning of creation, it says that he formed Adam out of the dust of the earth. He took a rib out of Adam because he would always need to serve his wife. And he fashioned Eve out of Adam's rib. That's weird, but it's cool. I kind of like it. All right. And so here he has these two people. And the Bible says he breathes into them the breath of life. It's a gift. Your next breath is a gift. It's not yours. You don't decide it. You don't know when it's going to go away. The Bible says every human being's days are numbered. And you say, well, that's that scares me. It shouldn't scare you. It should free you. That you're not in charge of your days. God is. And so God gives you life. And he still is to this very day. There is some life's not what you make of it. You are granted life. And then you are invited to follow Jesus. And if you'll follow Jesus. So we, we use words like apprentice yourself to Jesus. What does that mean? That you come in his wake and his movement and his doing. And you receive from that and then you do as he does. That's what the Christian life is about. What does it mean to never walk in darkness? Always follow Jesus. Because he's the light. And if you're following the light, you'll never be in the darkness. Does that make sense? If I always have a lamp in front of me, I'll never be in darkness. Why do I end up in the darkness then? Because I've left the light under a bush, as the scripture says in Matthew 5. And I'm over, I'm over here, your boy's over here doing his own thing. Not a great idea. <laughs> here, here, here's where that's scary for us, though, in 21st century United States of America. We set the lamp over here and maybe put a, like a, a lampshade on it. So we get a little, give me a little bit of Jesus. I don't need all the Jesus. I just need a little bit of Jesus. So that's a cute lampshade. Redeemer City Church is my lampshade. <laughs> I'll go hang for an hour on Sunday. But then we get over here, and, and what's what's dangerous is we get over here and we start doing our own thing, and some of us are actually pretty good at it from a world standpoint. Like we can make money, we can affect, we can make change, we can do all these things. And we don't realize that. What, what Jesus said is, what's dangerous is that you would gain the whole world and lose your soul. That's what's so dangerous about it. And so, this is immensely practical because God breathed life into you and then he gave you purpose. To be his ambassador, we're going to read that in a minute. But that's why this matters so much. For him to say you're going to die in your sin is because... You're going to be over here thinking you're crushing it. <laughs> and you're not. Because Jesus said in John 15, 5, which we'll get to in a couple, a couple weeks or months here, that apart from him you can do nothing. I'm actually doing a lot over here. Correct. But apart from Jesus you can do nothing. Nothing that matters. Nothing that's real. Right? Because what the Bible says is that you have a choice of where you're going to lay your treasure. 
You're going to lay your treasure up in heaven where nobody can come in and steal that. Or you're going to build that kingdom down here on earth where moth and rust and vermin will destroy it. And eternity is a whole lot longer than this life. And so we're here in this very practical place. You've received from him the breath of life, the light of life. You begin to follow him in the light of life as he illuminates your path. And so in Isaiah 30, even in the Old Testament, this was true. Look what he says to his people. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. So God is still leading his people, even in Old Testament times. First John 1, 7, New Testament times. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. What happens to us when we follow Jesus? We end up here together, doing life together. God didn't make you to do life alone. If you're following the light of life, you're going to end up with people. And what happens when we have fellowship with one another? The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So listen, the spirit of God lives in you. That's the breath of life. And through you in the light as you follow Jesus. This is, this is so applicable though to us because it was just in the 1800s that Karl Marx, and this will be on the screen for you, said, said this about philosophy and theology. He said philosophy is concerned with interpreting the world. Basically saying that I'm up here interpreting the world for you because you can't do it yourself. He's wrong. But look what he says. What matters is to change the world. And you've heard that. You've heard that from a lot of... You can change the world. And you set out to change the world. Seven years ago, I started out to change the world. I was going to do church the right way. I realized how hard doing church the right way is. What does that even mean? I'm like, I just want to love you well. And now there's a lot of you, so I don't know how to love you well. Love each other well. (laughs) Go ahead and do it. (laughs) I'm working on it. Stick with me. Right? You can change the world. And we believe that for a season, but then we say phrases like, life beat it out of me. Or we'll look at our kids and say, they're so innocent. It's sad to me that the world's going to beat that out of them. And so we understand this. We understand the practicality of this way of living that when you are sold the total work culture that you can change the world. It's not true. Your life is not about changing the world. Marx's view was that humanity is the center of life. And I want you to know that that's not true. We do not believe that. And what's difficult is that has so infiltrated everything that we do that it's hard to fathom that my life is not actually about me. So difficult. I struggle with it every day. Every day. We do not believe that is true. It's not our job to change the world. God created the world and he called it good. Sin disrupted that goodness, threatened it with death. But don't you know, we sang it today, that death doesn't get the last word. Jesus does. What we're doing when we follow Jesus is joining him in the renewal of all things. That is what you can give your life to. 
It's not just what you can die for, it's what you can live for. See, a lot of times in church we talk about what we can die for. That's important, but what about what are you living for? What are you living for? God is giving you life and existence. He's giving you essence. We receive that from Him, our being, our purpose, our very life. It's not our job to change the world. He's changing the world. We're joining Him in that renewal of all things. We're His ambassadors, 2 Corinthians 5.20. God literally says God is making His appeal to the world through us. What an awesome thing. I can live for that. You don't want to live for whatever I think church ought to be. I don't... You don't want that. But you can live for Jesus. You can give your life to what he's doing in the world, not what I'm doing in the world. So let me give you something really practical. How, how, do, I, how do I know how to do that in my life then? How do I know how to do that? Next week we're going to look at a really important piece of that where Jesus talks about what the truth is and abiding in the truth. But to lay that foundation, what, what, does, that, what does that kind of look like? Well, Jesus says here, in Jesus, we see the Father. In Jesus, we can know the Father. In Jesus, we can have this light of life that we can follow him and never walk in darkness. What does that look like really practically? How can I see God today, right? How can I receive from him today? How, How can I know him? How can I get to know this light? Where do I step into the light? Listen, I love this. There's something that theologians call the beatific vision. That in Jesus we see God. And there's, there's, I think, two ways that we do this. The first one is in creation. It was God's first act was to create. And so uh, John Calvin has a really helpful way of speaking about creation in this way. It will be on the screen for you. Here's what John Calvin says about seeing God. He says, the invisible God. That creation is the invisible God putting on the clothes he wears to go outside so that we can see what he's like. You want to see God? We've got to close the laptops. We've got to turn the phone off. Get you a friend with a boat. <laughs> Looking at some of you. <laughs> kind of joking, but not really. Go to the park, go to the beach, stand at the foot of the ocean at sunset and feel how small you are and feel how big he is and don't let your heart be troubled and just know that he's overcome the world, that the same God who hung that sun that's coming down behind the expanse of the water is the same God who looks at you And gave his life for you so that you could never walk in darkness but have the light of life. John Calvin's not the only one who said that. The Apostle Paul said it in Romans 1.20. He said that God's eternal power, his divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. You want to see God? You just got to walk outside. So follow this line here. God creates mankind in his own image. Genesis 1. Jesus is the invisible image of God. Colossians 1. And what we're going to be told next week is that we abide in Christ to bear much fruit. 
We're in a long line of the created order. And we'd find our place by falling in line behind Jesus because he's the light of life. So when you go to the bank, when you go to the office, when you go to school, when you go to middle school, when you go to the grocery store, when you go to your neighbor's house, when you do anything you do, you can be right in the center of God's will. Because what you do to change the world is not nearly as important as who you are following. Because he's changing the world. And here's what's great. He's choosing to do that through you and I. But he's doing it through the ordinary, everyday acts of life. You don't need to be extraordinary. (laughs) He created you to be ordinary because he's extraordinary. He will do the things that you cannot do. He'll change the world. But the beauty in that is not that we sit around and do nothing. That is not what happens when you truly fall in line behind Jesus. It's not what happens at all. Second, with that in mind, where do we see God? First in creation. Second, in the life and death of Jesus. In John 8.28 there, when I read it, it's a little confusing. It said, He tells the people, and they're confused, they don't get it. It says that when the Son of Man is lifted up, Then you will know that I am God. What is he talking about? He's talking about his coming crucifixion. That he would be nailed to a cross and then he would be lifted up for everybody to see. And they would watch him die. And then he would be put in a tomb. And then three days later he would rise again. And hundreds of people would see him. And then he would, in the presence of many witnesses, rise back to the Father. And here, I'm just so crazy to think that actually happened. And I'm not crazy. Sometimes. My niece is laughing at me. But listen, I want to tie this all together as we, get, as we take communion here. So Kevin's going to come up. He's going to play behind us just to help you enter into that moment. And Jerome and PT are going to pass out the elements here in a minute but i want to tie this all together jesus creation life you where does that all come together i think the apostle paul helps us brilliantly bring all of that into focus in colossians chapter one and i want you to see it and i want you to hear it and i just want him to tell the story without me getting in the way here's what the bible says in colossians chapter one Verse 21, those very first words, and you, I just want you to let that, you, maybe even lift up your voice and say me, go ahead, yeah, and you, who were once alienated or separated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds, even you, capable of evil. Look at this. He has now reconciled where? In his body of flesh by his what? Death. He told those people back in John, it's when I am lifted up, then you will know that I am he. Reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to what? I read it earlier when we were singing. To present you holy and blameless 
and above reproach. You're like, but I didn't do that. I'm still I still do the darkness sometimes. No, no, no. You are who God says you are. Your essence precedes your existence. What you are existing as is not who he made you. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been what? I love this. We're tying the knots together. Look at it. Which has been proclaimed where? In all creation, under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. It's all connected. And then Paul says these enchanted words in verse 27 and 28. Just let them feed you today, spiritually. I love this. The riches of the glory of this mystery. You're like, I don't get it all, but it seems pretty great. Join the crowd. The riches of the glory of this mystery. What's the mystery? (laughs) Christ in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Listen, some of you walked in here today without hope. And I get it. You might be looking at me right now going, this is, this is, this is crazy. I'm okay with being crazy. Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. Listen, Him we proclaim. You're not here for me. We're here for Him. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. What do we do when we come together? We're trying to mature in Christ. Every week, we taste a little bit more of His goodness. We receive a little bit more of His grace. Why do we take communion together? I read it every time in 1 Corinthians ten sixteen. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Listen, the body of Christ lifted up for you and for me. Now, in your hands momentarily, broken for you. This is the way, walk in it, as Isaiah was told. John tells us, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we'll have fellowship with one another. This is what we do. This is the whole deal. And it will lead to the light of life. So as Kevin plays over you and as PT and Pastor Jerome pass out the elements, I just want to invite you to pray. To examine your ways. Forgive somebody in your heart. Let them go. Maybe ask forgiveness. Maybe step into the light. What does that look like? To just surrender to Jesus. Take this moment. To be still. (laughs) We say, every time we take communion, this might be the only moment of still you get all week. 
The Bible says that there is this hope, there is this anchor for your soul, and it's Jesus. And I'll invite you to experience that as we're together. take that wafer in your hand as we listen to the Apostle Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 11 he says for I received from the Lord that's a great story too by the way if uh, you have time this week look up how Paul came to Christ but he's telling the people that he's writing to listen I got this straight from the Lord This is not me. This is not my doing. And he said this, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed, so that first Lord's Supper, says when he had given thanks, he broke it. And what we like to do here at Redeemer is just put that up to your ear and break it. And be reminded physically that Jesus went to the cross and him being lifted up as he said of himself was very real. That he was lifted up and put to death because we chose sin. And the darkness that we see all around us, he was going to the cross to correct that darkness, to fix that darkness, to bring light. So he broke it, and then here's his words. He said, this is my body. He was clearly sitting in front of them, but he was holding bread. So there's something supernatural happening by way of these natural elements. And we still believe that's taking place today, that as 1 Corinthians 10 says, we're participating with him. And so as you hold this, Jesus would say to you, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then the Bible says that he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Again, referencing the lifting up and shedding of blood for our sins. And he says, do this as often. So we try to do it often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And then he says these words, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Amen. Listen, why don't you stand with me? We're going to sing one more song. The band's all going to come up. And uh, I just want to say to you that as you consider those things that we looked at today, It's really true that doing those things under Christ, in Christ, the Bible says 
makes us one body. And so if you are struggling with anything, if you would like us to pray with you about anything, please, there's cards in the back, prayer and celebrate on each side. We would love to celebrate with you your wins. We'd love to pray with you about your problems. And uh, the Bible says that the way that we fulfill the law of Christ is to bear one another's burdens. And so we would love to do that with you. If we can do that with you now, uh, I'm available at the front. Pastor Tim, Pastor Jerome are both in the back. We would love nothing more than to pray with you today. So please feel free to come and see us and we would love to do that. Otherwise, let's sing this together as we dismissed.